Hi guys, welcome to our next episode of Things I Wish I'd Known. Uh, I'm Steve Robinson, I'm here with uh, my good friend Morris McCracken and it's been quite a few months since we've uh, done one of these things, isn't it Morris? It is, and we are two metres apart in case anyone's worried about it. We are two metres apart, so yeah. we made sure of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is brilliant. But uh, obviously the reason why we've not been able to do one of these things is because of coronavirus. How, yeah. how, how have things been for you guys as a family and as a church at Christchurch? Yeah, I think well, our story is much the same probably as anyone's. We went through a, a sort of um, exciting stage. We were like, oh, this is great for reaching people. Everyone's watching our online services. Um, then there was a slight relaxation of where we were, weren't we? And people were beginning to see each other and stuff again. I think now people are a bit sick of it. Um, mm. And we are learning the discipline of perseverance absolutely yeah, yeah. I think that's where we are what about you uh, the same mm. uh, I think it was the same I think there was that initial adrenaline to okay we've got to get everything online and mm. um, we actually enjoyed the family time I think mm. together I think that was nice but I think after the summer coming back in September it's been it's been really difficult yeah. I think it, for, for me September is like it feels like a new start kids are back at school and yeah. new years and, and then church often new staff things like that and it just, it just felt a little bit stunted because it was yeah. like, oh, we've got to continue online. And mm. even as we speak now, there's even, you know, there could be local lockdowns in our, own city, so yeah. our own city. So we'll yeah. do this today. We might not be able to do this tomorrow. So we'll be back, we'll, back on Zoom. We're back on Zoom. But yeah. I think the perseverance is the right one. Mm. Two things, perseverance, the other thing that we're just trying to encourage our people is to encourage them not to grow weary in doing good. Yeah. I think that's been something that we've just continued... And trying to help folks figure out what does that actually look like now. Yeah. So that's one of the, the key things, I think, for us. Yeah. But who knows, this could be... Well, a while still. A while. Yeah. It's one of those things. And I think for us it's been good. We're the type of church um, lots of people enjoyed coming. Mm. Uh, when we were in normal times and um, there was a, a sort of niceness about being at church. And it has been good to challenge people to say... You can't ride on the crest of everyone else's wave, yeah. and now you just can't do it. No, absolutely. Or even pretend to. Um, it's a chance to work on your own walk with God. Absolutely. Um, but that is relentless, isn't it? People it is. miss the yeah. joy of fellowship, basically. It, the means of grace, the means of grace yeah. of being together, singing together, yeah. sharing communion together. Mm. That'd be the the big things that we've 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 missed. But yeah. God's got it. Yes, he has got it. He has got it. So let's yeah. uh, let's crack on. Morris, I'm going to ask yeah. you, what is uh, what's the one, what's one of the things that you wish you'd have known starting out in ministry? Yeah, so I've been thinking a bit about um, this over the lockdown time, doing a bit of reading, talking to friends. Mm. The thing I think I'd wish I'd known is to be um, to have a repentant heart about patterns of behaviour. That could be abusive. Right, okay. So the whole issue of spiritual abuse, I mean that term I'm not sure is actually that useful because it's, it means so many th different things to different people. But um, I think what I've really been sort of considering is how easily churches can become places of emotional and mental abuse where people are... Um, people are having burdens put on them 
that aren't from the Lord mm. and that is crushing them. Yeah. And um, churches can easily develop cultures where that's just accepted. Mm. So that's not very... Um, it's not a very pithy sentence, is it? But I guess the thing I wish I'd known is hard to spot that in myself and right, okay. repent of it quickly. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. I understand. So when you've been reading about these things and yeah. thinking these things through, what sort of examples of behaviour or leadership yeah. are the things that come to mind when you've been thinking about this? Well, it's interesting. So I basically think um, a lot of the pastors that I know, a lot of the people who trained me were what you might call type A personalities. So they want to get things done, they want to move things forward, they want to push things to happen. Mm. And I think actually to be a pastor, you have to be that way a little bit because um, people need to know what type of church they're in and where it's going, what's planned. I think that's fine. The problem with that is what happens when people start not doing what you think the plan is. And I think in the constituency that I've been in, basically I think actually it's a doctrinal problem. It's that the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is weak. So we don't really believe that God's Spirit will enliven his word to people so they will do what he wants. Mm-hmm. So we have to think of other ways to force them. Yeah. Um, so there's two things that really made me think about this. One... It's not our job to force people to do things that aren't in the Bible. Yeah. No, our strategy is our strategy, but it's not actually my job to force anybody to follow that. Mm. Um, it's my job to show them they need to be obedient to God. Secondly, when people aren't doing what I think they should be doing, um, how do we respond to that in a way that is Jesus-like yeah. rather than trying to make people do things they don't want to do? Yeah. And I think... Well, there's so much going on there theologically, personally, godliness. Uh, but I've been thinking a bit about that. No, I think it's really interesting. And I agree with you. I think the term spiritual abuse is something that can be used for lots and lots of different things. Mm. And I think, and it's so prevalent in our culture that there are certain terms that are just so blanket, aren't they? That they mm. actually they be they they actually don't mean anything anyway. Now, hear me. I'm not saying that abuse doesn't happen in the spiritual yeah. sense but actually anything that would question somebody or challenge somebody or yeah. or, or, or even lead in, in, in such a way that that is quite assertive mm. could be translated as some sort of abuse yeah. especially in, in, in the sense of a church uh, and, and a worship community yeah. uh, and I think it's, it's important for us as church leaders that we don't um, panic and I yeah. think there's an element of panic so therefore we we don't lead and therefore we don't lovingly challenge lovingly rebuke as the Bible mm-hmm. says um, I think where it goes wrong is that and I, picking up on what you said before is I think where it goes wrong is is, is a, a, an understanding of the work of the Spirit Yeah. and then also being so focused as a person that actually rather than loving the people who follow you you want to use the people that follow yeah. you and I think that's where the balance comes. So this issue of a misunderstanding of power, the power of the spirit, yeah. and also a misunderstanding of, of 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 the responsibility that you have as you lead other people. There is a sense yeah. of power yeah. and influence over over other people in the context of the church that makes it really. 
and 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 then also recognizing that actually we are broken vessels that the devil yeah. will use yeah. in order to bring about brokenness even if our intentions are to do what is right yeah um, i think that's really helpful i think hi when i was thinking about this i think in the past i basically thought it's a good outcome if people do the right thing mm. therefore any means necessary to get people to behave in a way that's right and good and i've just come to understand that's wrong it's possible i mean this is really what the book of two corinthians is all about it's possible to be saying things that are true yeah. but be so un-Jesus like in your manner that you're not actually leading people to Jesus. So you could be saying and where the term term spiritual abuse is useful uh, or where it's come from and I do because I don't want to impugn anyone's motives for using it, is that I think people have it's basically saying you need to realise this can happen in a church environment. Mm. It's it can happen in a place where people are spiritual. So I think I've been naive and thought, um, you know, we're sort of protected from that because it's a church. Mm. Um, and looked at other churches, you know, very serious abuse scandals and thought that couldn't happen here. Um, whereas, in fact, I think the right response is to say, how can I repent and believe in such a way that it doesn't happen here? That's right. That's right. How do you how how do you, how do we then move forward as, yeah. as leaders in a in a in a cultural temperature that that where people are saying are basically saying you can't tell me what to do yeah um I I don't need to do what you say yeah but I also still want to be part of this church and I still yeah. want to follow you as a leader as you seek to lead me to Jesus yeah how then do you think what are the things that you've thought through in terms of of trying to lead faithfully mm. with God's word in such a way that doesn't bring you to the point of the potential of, of abusing your position as a leader in these yeah. areas um, you, when we were talking earlier talking about membership and I think that's useful we can talk about that in a minute mm. for me one of the practices I've really tried to take on board when I'm teaching people is really being clear between what I think the Bible and God's word demands of people mm. and where I am applying that but I could be wrong and I think so I basically think my job as a leader is not to pile pe people with burdens that they can't carry and I really need to make that clear so for we are looking over this term in the book of Daniel yeah and if you look at Daniel chapter 1 Daniel basically says, I'm not going to eat the king's food. And nobody really knows why he makes that decision. Um, and so it seems to me that what's going on in that passage is that Daniel decides he has to be distinctive in a particular way and chooses that. Now, the way that I want to preach that as a controlling leader is to choose the thing that I most want people to do in church at the moment and say, well, if we're going to obey this bit of the Bible, mm. we all have to do this. Yeah. And I have to be aware that my heart will fix on the thing that I'm most annoyed people aren't doing, like yeah. reading the Bible regularly or telling their neighbours they're a Christian or whatever is like on my mind, I'm likely to be trying to push people into that. Mm. And instead, the discipline for me has been to say, make it really clear and say, this passage is calling us to be someone like Daniel, who takes a costly stand beyond what God's word actually commands them to do to show what God is like. 
you are going to have to work out with God's help what that means for you. Here are some examples of people who've done it. Yeah, that's good. And I just need to be, that sounds like a technique, but that came from me sort of saying, I need to be aware that the platform I have can easily be used to try and push people towards something that I really want. And why do I want them to push towards something I want? Well, there's very mixed motives there. I do want the church to go forward and the gospel to be preached and people to grow as Christians. But also, I want people to do what I say. Mm-hmm. That's a very intoxicating thing. So, Especially if you've got... Especially if you are a driven leader with a, a real vision to see a community, one for Jesus. Yeah. And also if you are have a real conviction regarding the philosophy of ministry. As you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, the times where I have spoken to, preached or even just Mm. spoken in meetings with with people that I've bordered on, if not stepped into the realm of basically saying, unless you are living in this way, without saying it, are you really a Christian? Yeah. Um, I've probably even I've said that, Mm. (laughs) if I'm honest, in times. And even, and, 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 and it's trying to think through, okay, I want I, I want to challenge God's people from His way, but I actually don't want to shape an application yeah. that God that, that that is not there. Yeah, that is not there. And actually, again, going back to the issue with the the situation with the power of the Spirit, allowing the yeah. the, the Spirit to bring about the 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 implication or the application for a person individually. Because think, you know, I'm a I'm a, I'm a father, and, and I've I'm a father and a husband and a father, parents are with me, we have somebody else that lives with us as well. My context is nine people in our house, it's going to look yeah. different for yeah. a, a young couple or a, a single person or somebody that's living with their parents who aren't Christians. And actually to, to, to be too nuanced with this is what yeah. it means to live as a Christian in this community actually puts an unnecessary pressure yeah. on those people. So I'm even thinking simple things like hospitality, We've had to address the issue of hospitality because people just naturally think the hospitality is having a house and having people in your house. Yeah. Now, they think that there are a number of reasons why people might think that, but one of the reasons maybe they think that is because we have possibly really pushed this whole thing of having an open yeah. home. So people are like, well, I actually can't live in such a way that actually effectively is not a deliberate abusive behavior, but it's uh, actually a... a are taking a, a, a biblical yeah. command, a biblical conviction to be a, a hospitable people yeah. to a point that that means you need to open your house. Yeah, absolutely. And then the culture that creates can become very toxic very yes. quickly yeah. because all the people who are opening their houses feel pretty good and feel like they can sort of either look down on or subtly pressure people who don't feel able to do that and so suddenly you end up with a, a, quite a sort of difficult power dynamic yeah. uh, in within the church family. And that can, I'm not using your example, but for me that can all have stemmed from my wrong heart in the first place that I want, right, pe- yeah. I want to control people. In and, mm. and so you've ended up doing ministry not like Jesus and unsurprisingly you end up with a church that doesn't really model what Jesus is like. Someone, This is someone else's quote, I think it was maybe Sam Albury on Twitter, somebody... Uh, else but I found this really helpful he said you just need to remember if you're a pastor that pastors exist for churches churches don't exist for pastors and I just found that quite um, challenging and the fact I found it quite challenging thought gosh I 
just have some real thinking and praying to do here because I feel myself annoyed sometimes that the church is not quote unquote there for me enough <laughs> mm. you know it's not the church is not getting on board with what I think we should be doing yeah. which is totally wrong it's like I am there to shepherd and help the church <laughs> I exist for them they don't exist for me um, and I think probably more dramatic and serious looking cases of abuse they but they must have started back there you know we're trying to do a good thing you're not getting on board with it I can get everybody to leave you out and be a bit horrible to you and you not really fit in here if and that will be a way of getting you to do it mm. um, and it's just so not like the Lord is it it's just not what he does to us it's 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 more like being Pharaoh yeah more like being Pharaoh in terms of you got Pharaoh who's insecure completely insecure because yeah. Israel are growing and, and uses his position as the king of Egypt and actually oppresses the people and uses them yeah. and has expectations that are totally unrealistic and mm-hmm. you know making bricks without straw and it's just that 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 abuse of a position that is God given yeah that is God given and abuse the people rather than save the people that you were called were called to save Maurice what then how does it look then when we're dealing with situations of rebuke and discipline yeah what 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 have you been thinking? so yeah so how because that's the reality the Bible's mm. clear on that yeah what what are the things that, you, that you've been thinking through that could be helpful for us to continue leading in a faithful way yeah. in that area that doesn't step into the it's really the abusive realm it's a good question I feel like I'm a learner and maybe we should revisit this issue with like an older pastor or someone so I feel like I'm still learning yeah. one of the things is. You know, those tense moments in church life where there's sort of almost formal rebuking happening. I basically think I've really been challenged about, uh, basically, am I talking to God about this person as much as I'm talking to the person about God? Mm-hmm. So, and that's how sort of cheesy, but I find it helpful. Yeah, that's good. Really so basically... I feel like my job in this situation, you know, it's a classic thing. Our job is the ministry of the word and prayer. And that rebuking is a ministry of the word. Yeah. But when the situation that is really grim is unfolding, my job is as much to be the chief prayer of yeah. the situation. That both stops you think overstepping your mark and trying to make people do things. It's good for my mental health. Mm. Um, and I think it just allows you to approach both the person and the congregation as you're explaining everything that's happening to them with a clear conscience Yeah. because you're able to approach it with the like I have given this to the Lord and we all need to do that whereas I think in the past where we've had very difficult situations and I've had to say to the congregation I've had to rebuke this person it's strayed a little bit into like and all of you can be a bit horrible to them too to show them they've been naughty like you know put them on the step yeah whereas I think what I want to say is I've been the chief prayer about this I mean I wouldn't say it that way but Mm. like know that I've been the person who's really taken this before the Lord and that's what I want you to do too yeah that so that's that's really helpful um, one thing that came to mind as you were speaking as well is that actually the, the the whole purpose of rebuke church discipline is for the purpose of reconciliation yeah. we are we have been given the ministry of reconciliation i yeah. think 
you know, I think every effort in the process of something happening or, or, or you know, pastoral issue, whatever it may be, as we move down that, that, that avenue of, of rebuke, discipline, challenge, it has to be in the context of reconciliation, yeah. always the time. And I think where the abuse situation kicks in mm. is where it's actually, you're, you're more concerned about the church discipline than you are about the reconciliation. Absolutely. And yeah. I think that's often, and that's, and, and that's because the power issue, but also yeah. we, we, we forget our own vulnerabilities. Mm. Often these things are things that are personal yeah. and affect us and affect yeah. people that we love. And therefore we step into this, well, actually we want to see, you know, justice or retribution. And this is one form that it could occur and actually praying against those things and actually stepping into, we've been given this ministry of reconciliation. Yeah. And that's what, you know, 1 Corinthians 5 is, mm. is all about, isn't it? It's like, for, for what purpose is somebody somebody uh, rebuked in a sense that they are, they are excommunicated? It's yeah. so that they recognize the means of grace that they're no longer part of because yeah. of their sin. And I think that's the... That's a key thing that we've always got to keep in mind all the time. And then also pray that our hearts break. Yeah. yeah. Pray that our hearts break. That's something that I, you know, I'll confess this. Um, at times, probably don't. Yeah. It's probably just, don't. and you feel like it's too much. Yeah. So if my heart, I just, you know, the burden of that, I just feel like, I don't want my heart to break. I just want to get the job done and forget to move on. And move on, yeah. But that's it's just so not Jesus like. Not Jesus at all. Um, I think the other thing, just we've moved to church discipline there. I think yeah. to step back when you're doing some more thinking about the ministry of rebuking in a much more, I don't say minor way, but sort of pre church discipline yeah. way. One of the things that's been really helpful to me is to say we must only sort of rebuke when people break God's law not when they break our church's law or my preferential way of doing things. Rebuke must only be saved for sins that are against God. Amen. And I found that really helpful as well. And it's interesting how much you default to that. So someone's doing something that I'm not sure is right. And I want to begin by saying, well, they've, you know, they've um, agreed that our church, you know, this person isn't in a small group. And they know that in our church, everyone should be in a small group and I need to go and rebuke them about that. No, I don't. <laughs> because God's word does not say you have to be in a small group. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to pastor them into... That's a different... Yeah, yeah, to sort of draw them into what I think will be good for them. But rebuke should be saved for their lying or their stealing or they are... Put themselves people. and other people in danger. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Rebuke yeah. can't be used for when people aren't fitting in with man-made laws and... It's even when things are against God's law, people want, and me, I want to sort of frame it. You know, so someone's a liar, I need to say, the Bible says you shouldn't lie. But I turn that into like, I'm a bit offended that you lied to me there. Yeah, it becomes, it becomes about you, yeah. rather about the offence against God. Whereas if the Bible's describing rebuke, it's not saying tell someone that your feelings are hurt. Mm. Rebuke is God as someone who's in Christ God requires this of you and you're not doing it and I need to tell you that you should so I find that very helpful guide as well it's like if I start taking on a rebuking manner or thinking to myself someone needs to have a word with that person to correct them you know that ministry 
there's a tone and an attitude that should be taken about breaking God's law that should just never feature if it's if it's about something else. Mm. And I'm consistently getting those the wrong way around. So not challenging people about them breaking God's law because that's embarrassing, but challenging them about breaking something that annoys me. That's right. Um, so that's that's been helpful to me. And you see the Lord Jesus, don't you, when he's what you read through the Gospels and just he he leaves the, the he is so gracious and patient and and tender mm. as he rebukes his disciples and rebukes yeah. his people, you know as he as he lovingly leads them and shepherds them, uh, uh, his, his people. But for those who are in offence to him, there mm. is that stern, yeah, there is that stern way of engaging. Mm. The Pharisees, I'm thinking, yeah. woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. You've seen that all the time because, which actually leads lead, leads us to the whole situation of the weight that we carry and the responsibility that we, we, we carry in terms of leaders that actually to walk in these ways of re, re, seeking to rebuke people is actually to walk in a Pharisaical yeah, way absolutely. that Jesus says woe to. Yeah. And, and actually, it's also being, you know, you know it says in Hebrews thirteen, with it, you know, pray for your leaders as the, because they are the ones who are giving account for your soul. Mm. You know, trying to think, you know, think that through and engage in that. That actually, I don't, I don't want to lead people to the point that when they stand before Jesus, they're they're absolutely battered in their soul yeah. because the way I've led the church or the way we've we've sought to let them because they're absolutely busted up. Yeah, and and and, 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 and Jesus will ask us and say, why did you lead like that? Yeah. And that's one of the things he tells the Pharisees off for. He yeah. says, stop giving people burdens they can't carry. Absolutely, absolutely. And I just think, I'm sure my ministry in the past, I'm, you know, if I'm doing it now, Christchurch people who are listening to this, please <laughs> drop me an email. But I'm sure definitely in the past, out of good motives, out of wanting the church to progress and people mm. to grow, I think mostly out of good motives. <laughs> They're always mixed. But the ministry has left people with burdens they can't carry. And that's, you, just as you say, that's not what introducing people to Jesus Absolutely. should be like. Um, because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. That's yeah. what he said, you yeah. know what I mean? And, and, and I think if, that, if, that is the, if that's what we have in front of us and we, we, we hold on to that for ourselves, mm. that, that is something that we will lead. We want to lead them to Jesus who says... My yoke is easy. My yeah. burden is light. It should. We shouldn't be battering our people. Yeah, we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. You touched on about the membership. Membership. That we spoke I was going to ask yeah. you about that. Yeah. Just a membership one. That, you know, obviously before we were talking, it was just that sense of. So we have covenant membership. So there's yeah. a sense that God's people covenant with one another. Yeah. And that the elders covenant with the church. So it's not that you covenant with the leaders. You covenant. Mm. We covenant with one another. And those who have been. Uh, recognize and appointed the elders will covenant and the covenant will be we will lead in these ways we will lead according to what the bible says so hold us accountable to that and then we covenant to one another and say we want to live in these ways Mm. the the, the bible that the the bible says and 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 you know it's a it's not an exhaustive list that we've got but it's just general things of okay this is what it means to be a christian and we walk people through that process of okay this is what this means. This is what it look. This is what it means. I was going to say this is what it looks like. Mm. Like, and I think you can say that for some of the things, yeah. but some of them you can't. And I think when people drop into areas where there there is a requirement of a, uh, re, uh, rebuke or you know seeking to gospel somebody's heart, 
we're able to go look when we walk through this this is what this is what we mean yeah now in our context sadly the areas where we've really had to do that is around sexual sin yeah and marriage issues mm. but it's a helpful reminder of okay yeah I actually did promise these people that I do life with that I would seek their help I would seek these things so it becomes less about rebuking mm. in terms of a, a one of the leaders is saying it comes more about actually I've said that I will do this and yeah. I'm just we're just saying look how can we walk with you what does it look like to reconcile and I think that that helps it gives yeah. that it gives a depth to membership that is rooted around what it looks what what it means to be a follower of Jesus yeah anyway yeah and then within that we're like you know we, we hold a high value on this a high value on that but mm -hmm. it's not the end of the world yeah if you don't engage those sorts of things I think that's been helpful for us yeah. like, a little bit I, I, and I don't know we are both churches that have membership and mm. I'm aware that some people who are listening to this aren't in that situation it does seem to me two things I'd say about membership one is you need and I'm sure you do this and we try to to make it clear that this sort of covenant responsibility to each other is what you're entering into and you're choosing that by becoming a member soon no one's forced to become a member no not at all no, um you know, there's certain things you have to be a member to be able to do, but I think that's fine. Like, you can't preach if you're not a church member because, you know, we need to know you're a Christian, all that stuff. But no one is trying to force you to become a member. And if you opt into it, you opt into it. And you can opt out, you know, Absolutely. you can resign your membership. No one yeah. will stop you doing that. Whereas I think some of the abusive situations that come about, it's because um, there is no formal way of showing who basically is in and who's out. And so people are in if they're friends with the leader and they're out if they're not. It's all done through, it's all to do with them. Yeah. And then that easily can be abused. And the thing I'd say about membership as well is just having reflected on it is it's not, it's not the way, it's possible to have a church that has a formal membership structure and still be spiritually abusive. So I just don't want to membership say is not the, 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 the key through no. this. Um, and especially, I think, in a church... Um, like mine where you know I don't consider myself to be old and most people in my church are younger than me um, you know manipulating the church members to do what I think is right would be something that would be possible so I don't want it all to be heard to say well because we've got membership that means this isn't an issue I do think it somewhat um, protects Paul being focused around one person yeah, and it makes it clear who's asked, who's opted in to this ministry of the church for one another of correcting and rebuking and mm. all of that and also makes it clear if you don't want to do that it would be a serious thing but if you don't want to be part of that anymore you don't have to be mm. whereas I think where it's much more grey it all becomes like the leader thinks you need a telling off and mm. how do you get out of the situation where you don't think the leader, you know, there's no way out of that except to disappear? Yeah. So I think it's helpful there. It doesn't solve, it doesn't by any means solve the problem. And, and the thing I've been reflecting on is really the hard work that I as a leader need to do to make sure I'm not putting people in that position. Absolutely. And just for us, the process of people stepping into membership gives a great opportunity for us to say, this is, this is what we believe as a church. Yeah. This is what we, this is what the Bible says regarding what it looks like to live as a Christian and yeah. and, and, and that's a really helpful conversation because often some people are like I didn't realise the Bible said that oh that's yeah. interesting and then they go and they explore and 
it's a really helpful way for for us to do that. So I think that's created that 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 sense that how we're seeking to lead and 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 love is not based on what what we have come up with it's mm. based on what it looks what the bible is saying this is what it means to be a follower of jesus yeah what that looks like is going to look different in different contexts for different people yeah. but here are the fundamental principles of what that means in, in 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 different places and you know at the end of the day it's like you know it's the the grace of god i think one of the key things morris that i keep thinking about is that we don't want to fall into the trap as church leaders of being fearful of leading yeah because of the because yeah. of these things and i think it's been able to, and I, and you know, it, like in everything, I think if we're seeking to hold true to the word of God, we're holding, we're we're accountable to other leaders in the context of our church, and I think wider as well. I think addressing certain things, I think being transparent and open, but holding to that ministry of reconciliation is, is we're on a, a starting block to to be safe and not yeah. to be in, in those in in those um, the realms where spiritual abuse can be thrown yeah. at us, which. Which I'm sure will be and can be in different yeah. ways because different people have different ways of interpreting what that means. Yeah, and I think ready to learn and to apologise, you know, where necessary. Absolutely so right. Yeah. We we don't pastor because we think we're the finished article, and we need to be people who you know, especially the who you might consider the least in the church. Yeah can say, okay, the way you're behaving now is threatening or I am feeling pushed out by you constantly droning on about this application or, um, you know, we that, that shouldn't be shocking. Whereas I think I have been in context before where certainly the person who was furthest from the centre of church life didn't feel they could have said that to the leader. Yeah. And if they had, I sort of fear what would have happened. I think there probably would have been a very poor reaction. The person would have been isolated. They would have been bad-mouthed. Mm. They would have been pushed out. Um, so I sort of feel like if I can't accept correction from the person who visits for one Sunday without feeling deeply offended and saying they don't matter, that's a problem. That's I've got to think about that. They could be wrong. I'm not saying they're always right, but I'm saying if I'm not fostering an attitude where I could accept that then that's that's really you're on a bad road there because you're dishonouring the people that Jesus wants to gather in and yeah and I'm reminded of um, 2 Peter in chapter uh, 1 Peter in chapter 2 where he says mm-hmm. keep your conduct amongst the Gentiles honourable that even when they speak evil of you yeah. they, they'll see your good deeds and, and praise God and that's the whole issue of when they slander against you so even that's so if, if, if our approach is that I want to live in, and respond in a sound, godly way, even if that one person that attends, attends church occasionally is can bring a criticism, then actually my heart is to respond in an honourable yeah. way. It may be completely wrong and not yeah. true, but rather than dismiss the person offhand because, well, who are you to say yeah. that to me? That actually our approach in our heart is I want to respond honor, honourably in, yeah. right, in the right sense. I think it was Billy Graham that said, didn't he? That that he listens to all his critics. Yeah. Every criticism he's ever listened to, because there could be some truth in it. Yeah. And I think that's his way of saying, deal with it in an honourable way. Yeah. Uh, and and people can't won't, won't deny your good deed in that in that context. Yeah. Um, and glorify Christ on the day of his visitation. Yeah. And that and that's the yeah the whole thing. 
Morris, um, that's been great. Really mm. interesting conversation, and I know it's been it's been in the news, obviously, over the last you know mm. couple of years, and uh, for different 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 things. So, you know, I think it's good for us to hold each other accountable and and others, but also recognizing that there are people, and I know, I think probably both of us in some way have been uh, have experienced some sort of spiritual abuse ourselves in mm. terms of people in positions of power that we've been made to feel. And I know for some that's been horrendous yeah. and breaking and and have been a real difficult uh, situation for even to the point where people have completely lost trust in yeah. in the church full yeah. stop and I've even maybe even walked away from Jesus. So yeah. that's the heartbreaking issue of yeah. of of broken people yeah. leading in broken ways and, and, and not relying on the spirit, the truth of the gospel. Yeah. So this is a real issue where people are really being hurt. So we need yeah. to pray there. We don't become the people who bring about that hit yeah. with us. With us. Stop watching my own life. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thanks very much, mate. Thanks for joining us, folks. Uh, we're hoping to get back on to do more podcasts more regularly to talk about these things. Again, if you've got any uh, questions or anything you think this would be great to talk about or to consider, or if you've got a question about anything that we've thought about uh, regarding this podcast or anything that we've got before, please hook us up on uh, on Twitter. You'll find us there. Things I wish I'd known. God bless you. See you next time. Bye.